everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Expression Impressions podcast. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Maria Grazia Turi. Dr. Turi is a senior lecturer and co-director of the Master of Sciences in Creative Arts and Mental Health program at Queen Mary University of London. She's a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, theatre scholar, and practitioner. With a degree in psychiatry from Oxford University, Dr. Turi has experience within the NHS as well as a PhD in drama from Exeter University. Her research focuses on understanding theatre through psychoanalytic theory. Moreover, Dr. Turi teaches sessions on critical mental health, psychoanalysis, and the intersection between mental health and the arts, as well as is a co-supervisor for PhD dissertation projects at the intersection between theatre and mental health. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Dr. Turi. How are you? Hello. I'm very good. Thank you. Great. Um, I'm glad to hear that. So I'm going to start off by talking a little bit about the intersection between theatre and psychoanalytic theory. Now, psychoanalysis deals with the more sort of subconscious, unconscious state of the human mind. So I guess my question is, how important do you think the creative arts are to gain an understanding into another individual's kind of mental health, state of mind, etc.? Uh, yes, um, I would say, so first of all, I would say that, and I'm not the only one saying it, uh, it's very well known in psychoanalytic uh, theory and thinking that the arts are a privileged uh, methodology to access the unconscious, whether it is uh, one's personal unconscious or whether it is the unconscious of someone else. So, for example, the arts therapies, whether we mean by that um, art therapy in the sense of using more visual um, art approaches or whether we mean, for example, drama therapy or music therapy, are all um, trying to uh, foster the creative process as a way both for the um, therapist to understand better what is going on uh, for the person, both in terms of their experience, but also more at an unconscious level. Uh, but also they are a way for the person themselves, whether they identify as being patients or clients or whatever name we want to give them, to actually discover more about themselves. So I would say that um, there is uh, a stream of psychoanalysis that has gone to look into authors or um, uh, artists' lives, you know, and let's try to analyze them. I would say that this for me is the least interesting uh, use of uh, psychoanalysis to interrogate art. The much more interesting use is when we think how a work of art, independently from what it meant for the person who created it, does actually create meaning in the people or uh, persons that are witnessing it, spectating it, watching it, in engaging with it in some ways. Right. Um, so the concept of spectatorship, I think, is something that I'm very, very keen to dive into with you. So I'll bring that up in a second. But I want to kind of focus on something you mentioned earlier about how the creative arts becomes like this potent way for people to understand the mindset of individuals, not themselves, as well as 
um, the person themselves to understand more about their own self introspection. So, um, future as a creative process could maybe inherently become a form of conveying some sort of distinct narrative or storyline. So, where do you think the skills involved in this kind of communication creative process ties in understanding um, another individual's frame of mind or introspection? Yes, so I think that um, there is a kind of well-known dichotomy uh, when people talk about arts, thinking about the product or the process. Um, The product, if we think, for example, of a beautiful painting or uh, a piece of theatre, a play, you know, um, a choreography, whatever, um, of course, has got its own contextual Uh, life you know so a play might mean something in one particular context that might mean something very different in another context but um, the the sort of um, core of the introspection is how the engagement the process of engagement with that piece of uh, artwork is created and it is very personal so um, there are both we shouldn't like uh, say that there aren't uh, more general meanings that are created through works of art there are but there are also aspects of it that are very personal and it is this intersection between what is more general and I say cultural, so what you understand through your own cultural lens that may be part of your smaller group, because, for example, you are part of a certain um, class or a certain gender or a certain um, ethnicity. And then the bigger cultural context, you know, the, the place where you live, the nation, even like big things like Western, you know, understanding of things versus Eastern, for example. So all these layers uh, obviously contribute to it, but then people have got their own experiences, their own, own stories, and the meanings they make are also very personal to them. And meaning is a very complex thing, so it's difficult to say, you know, there is um, to analyze meaning because meaning is so, so multifaceted and complex. We shouldn't uh, we shouldn't shy away from trying to understand things. Absolutely not. But we should also acknowledge that meaning is always complex. So it's not an easy thing to understand what a particular piece of art might mean because of the complexity of it. Does that answer your question or not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think um, that's where the entire beauty of the creative arts comes in. It has has layers of meaning, as you said. It has a personal meaning. It has um, meaning for spectators. And that varies based on a lot of things. So I think it's safe to say that um, not only does the arts help you gain an insight into oneself or another person's um, mental health or well-being or any other facet that you might want to think about but it also aids in adding like looking through a new lens or diversifying perspectives and I think that's something that's a common thread in all the conversations I've had thus far so that's great to explore. Um, So to hone into the more beneficial impacts of creative expression I was wondering if in your experience you've come across periods or have come across um, I'm not sure how to phrase this um, Sorry, 
one second. Um, no, don't worry. It's no problem. Benefits? Are you talking about benefits? Yeah. Or? So, have there been kind of experiences in your line of work where you've got to um, understand the benefits of creative expression in kind of in depth, maybe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, not only on a personal level. But also the MSc that I uh, co-direct um, also um, has a, a pathway for students, for example, to also engage in creative practice. And so I, I see it like uh, every year with students talking about the way in which this engagement is um, useful for them in making them face things that they maybe they, they knew like were important for them but didn't have quite the right um, context to face or to approach. And sometimes this can lead also to quite uh, drastic transformations in people's um, ways of approaching things. But things, sorry. Uh, but the, the things that, that I think the one that I feel is is the um, the most striking for me maybe is when you use creative arts approaches to do uh, engagement with uh, groups that might not necessarily have ever engaged with arts in this particular way before. So participation. Um, which is about, for example, discussing a topic together or discovering priorities for a group. So if I give you an example, I did um, uh, a project with um, some uh, people who were responsible for running charities or voluntary sector organizations. And there was a question around that, uh, which was about what do these voluntary sector organizations need uh, to uh, get the statutory services like the local council for example the local health services what do they need the statutory services to understand about the experiences of their clients or participants who are usually excluded from main uh, social processes, you know. So people that might, for example, like one organization was working with Bangladeshi women who for a series of cultural reasons as well as personal reasons might find themselves not well integrated in their local community and might spend, for example, a lot of time on their own. And so that then causes issues around mental health and isolation and other social issues. So um, the way in which we got the discussion going, you could do it in a very, you know, in a very um, conventional way. You could get people into a room, you could get them to answer questions, you could do a presentation, you know, things like that. But actually we got them together to create stories. And then once these stories were voiced and acted as well, um, they were then presented to the statutory services. So this small storytelling project was a project where instead of trying to understand what people need or what people's experiences are by asking them to tell you the concepts, I need more money, I need a room, I need, you know, whatever it is that these organizations need, give them the space to create stories that they know because it is their day in day out experience of dealing with participants who have these stories and then use these stories to communicate the needs 
and uh, it was beautiful process first of all because some of the participants had never done anything like this so in the beginning they might say yeah yeah okay i will participate in telling you things but don't expect me to be on stage and by the fourth time you come together they're like i want to tell this story <laughs> not only you know i want to act it twice i want to act it one in uh, my own language and one in english you <laughs> know once in english so you know it's like um, seeing how the creative arts and particularly my field is theater but the same happens with other creative arts approaches um can feel intimidating to people who are, might not be used to you know to to be conversant with them but actually if you put the emphasis on the process not on the product we weren't trying to put up a play at the national theater you know so we didn't have that pressure of having to do an aesthetically perfect or within certain canon kind of um, uh, output that created you know very engaging uh, moving beautiful bits of stories that then the recipients also said you know that is so useful and then there was a conversation after that and it was a very moving conversation with all the stakeholders coming together and basically uh, really getting it if you see what i mean because what the arts can do they can convey the complexity of the experience and therefore they can convey much more than just a concept we need more money it, money is important it's important that these organizations get money but uh, working through concepts sometimes can be very limiting experiences are always the basis of everything so we need to also go back to those experiences as well as also <laughs> trying to derive some concepts sometimes i'm not against that but i'm just saying we should also privilege um, the root of people's um, understandings and meanings which is experience and and the arts are very good at that Right. And that sounds like an incredible journey and experience, first of all. And I'm really glad you've kind of walked us through it because I think the most one of the most pertinent, you know, concepts or powers that creative expression holds is it becomes a pathway to convey all these complex experiences. And it kind of transcends kind of barriers, be it um you know, be it a linguistic barrier, be it any other sort of hindrance into communication. The arts is a way of kind of allowing one to get so involved and to understand the experiences they're trying to put, convey and put forward and move that forward further. So I think that was quite interesting, especially since it was, again, it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one process. It was, it involved integrating the communities and um, kind of form that relationship as well. Now, playing out that integration into communities, um, do you think that creative expression is, in a way, inherently connected to kind of tapping into the collective conscious of a community? Because something else I was, this is something I was keen to gain your insight on, because, you know, earlier we mentioned spectatorship and eliciting responses from viewers. So do you think that spectatorship has some sort of community-wide impact as well, and the arts kind of fosters that um, sort of connection yeah absolutely so first of all i guess i would call the more conscious aspect of the collective experience i would call it identity so i um, yes definitely the arts tap into collective identities because 
because they go through uh, the way in which collective identities are rooted into unconscious aspects of our experiences. So I would say that on the one side, they also express collective identities. And in this way, they are not always by default uh, community making. They can also be divisive. You know, we can think of examples, uh, even eminent examples in the history of art, where a group of artists think about the Impressionists, make an art which is different from the mainstream art and are othered because of that. They are excluded by uh, you know, the, the sort of main community, and yet they are part of the same kind of Parisian life. You know, it's not that they come from very far away places. So um, there is uh, definitely uh, that dynamic with collective identity, but also there is the possibility to create what I call intersubjective unconscious spaces. And maybe here I go into what to me is fundamental about the arts, which um, do we understand it? I don't know. I think we do at a certain level, but I think also is not uh, always understood, which is that um, the basis of our ways of thinking as human beings. That's my belief as a psychoanalyst, okay? Um, as a psychoanalytic psychotherapist, I'm not a full trainedly trained psychoanalyst, but I work a lot with psychoanalysis, is that um, all our thinking and our way of making meaning is, and is rooted into our emotions. And our uh, emotions are always relational. Our emotional experiences are always relational. So you might have noticed or not, probably not, I now try never to use the term individual. I speak of person, I speak of subject, I never use, if I can, sometimes I betray myself, <laughs> the word individual, because that very fundamental way in which we experience the world is profoundly relational, which then means that um, when we talk about our own personal meanings, yes, they are personal to us. And in a way, the, the reason why we want to emphasize difference sometimes between uh, ourselves and others, and we want to individuate, is precisely because the ground on which we are born is so relational that there is a striving to create our own sense of identity. But at the same time, the root is not an individual, you know, the root of being yourself. You know, we are nothing without relationship with other people and without relationship with other things in the world, um, including nature, including, you know, objects, whatever that is. And that is what also I think we are betraying ourselves into this uh you know sort of disaster of, of humanity going towards climate change and climate disaster because we've completely expunged from our consciousness and from the story we tell about ourselves that actually we are deeply embedded into the natural environment everything is ecological everything is about context and relationship nothing is about one individual or one single thing so to go back then to the original idea, yes, community is very important, both because it is expressed through the arts, that communal identity is expressed through the arts, and often the arts 
uh, are a way also of understanding a different experience by a different community because it expresses that kind of common identity that someone has, which is different from ours. But at the same time, they can also create um, in the engagement with the objects um, a sense of communal experience, which is more, I think, happening at an unconscious level. And as I said, I call like an intersubjective space of unconscious experience. And so it can reshape, in a way, communities. It can form new communities because of this um, ability to um, tap into the, the roots of our experiences and, and re rework them through or, or transform them to some extent. The fact that you've mentioned that basically, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the basis of all the processes on a conscious subconscious level of the human mind are kind of rooted very deeply into emotions and relationships and that becomes kind of the basis for again as you said intersubjectivity and the arts tends to play on that on a large scale so um on that vein of kind of understanding this communal impact of creative expression i've noticed your work discusses spectatorship a lot as i've mentioned earlier or the link between texts or performances and the audiences or those viewing these pieces of art now, from what my recent, very recent reading and basic reading entails, just so I was kind of clear on that, the theory surrounding this concept of um, spectatorship is kind of really far-reaching. But one in particular that caught my attention was the concept of, um, how do you say, tragic catharsis, right? Um, could you walk us through what this kind of entails and how the link between the, how this kind of provokes insights into subconscious and mental well-being etc yes no i'm very happy to do that and also before i do that i just want to say because i'm you know i did hear you mention mental well-being and mental health and i think maybe there uh, just a little specification is the fact that in my approach to uh, what uh, for example in the msc we do call mental health there is, though, um, an understanding that when we talk about mental health, we are really talking about minds and the way in which minds are affected by experiences and they can be affected in a negative way. And so there can be things like mental health suffering and pain and difficulties, of course, you know, to um, a great extent as well. But we, um, uh, as, a, as an ethos within the MSC, but also I personally am part of a movement called Critical Psychiatry, where I refuse, uh, on the basis also of scientific evidence, the idea that there are those dry uh, um, diagnostic categories in which you could, you, you put people that are basically mentally ill and you separate them off from the mentally well. I absolutely reject that. I'm part of many other movements. For example, if you want to look it up, there is um, a movement called the Ernie Declaration, which is about E-R-N-I, which is about basically recognizing emotional experiences and, um, you know, emotional um, pain as part of human life and that may actually hit some people worse than others due to many different reasons and also an important document i always bring up when i talk about these subjects is a document um, 
and the framework published by the British Psychological Society in 2018, which is called the Power Threat Meaning Framework. And is a way of understanding mental health uh, in a non-diagnostic way. It basically simply says when people are under conditions of power oppression and when people suffer from trauma or the threat of trauma and due to their uh, life situation experiences etc um, they need to react in certain ways to survive that make them uh, enter into patterns of behavior, of, of uh, feelings, etc., etc., that can be really, really painful. And this is what mental health difficulties are. It's got nothing to do with someone getting ill or anything like that. So having said that premise, um, but, but also wanted to say that people have got then the right, should have the right to access help. I'm not wanting to get rid of mental, a mental health diagnosis to say, oh, people shouldn't be helped. Yes, they should be helped, but they should be helped because they are suffering from those psychosocial situations that have brought them on the verge of something. And also there should be much, 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 much more effort uh, to prevent social oppression and trauma, traumas and threats of trauma so that we have less people that end up in those painful situation and then need help eventually to recover. So all of that, sorry, long premise. Now I can talk about <laughs> catharsis. That was a very key that. insight. That's actually something that I wasn't very aware of. So I'm definitely going to do a bit of reading after. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> no, no problem. So um, my whole research uh, in theatre spectatorship started from an experiential, in fact, um, uh, position, which was that while I was training to become a psychoanalytic psychotherapist, and I've always also done theater practice, so at the same time I was doing some theater workshops and improvisation and so on, I basically found myself um, feeling that I was using the same kind of psychological attitudes when I was doing the psychoanalytic psychotherapy bit, which was also receiving psychoanalytic psychotherapy, because when you become a psychotherapist, you need basically to uh, also be in therapy yourself, as well as when I was giving it. And that felt very similar to some extent, which might sound weird, <laughs> to what was happening when I was doing my theater studies, you know, when I was doing uh, acting classes, or even when I was going to the theater. So I became very interested in what it is that was making those two things similar at some level. Although, you know, I was very aware when I was in the theater that I wasn't in a therapy session. <laughs> you know, it's not that I thought, oh, I'm in a therapy session. But there was something about my feelings inside that felt similar and in a positive way, like, you know, I felt I was getting that same kind of um, relief and being at peace with myself that I found within therapy sessions. And so I got interested in spectatorship and in how the emotional transactions between a spectator and what is going on on stage mirrors the emotional transactions that might go on in a therapy room. And then, uh, of course, I came to realize, well, first of all, if theater is about emotions, I don't think many people would say that's 
force, then psychoanalysis is, uh, you know, a, a discipline that has absolutely pro- proven beyond doubt that a lot of emotional experience happens at an unconscious level. So there must be things happening at an unconscious level when I go to the theater, if there are emotions in the theater. So that was one premise. And the other premise was this, and maybe it wasn't a premise, it was more like a point of arrival. But anyway, the other interesting thing is that in psychoanalysis, we call some of the work that is going on in giving meaning to people's experiences, we call it interpretation. And in the theater, there is a clear same word used when one talks about the work of actors, actors interpret. Not always, okay? There are many forms of theater and not necessarily, (laughs) we would always say the actors interpret. But there is uh, also a sense that there is a relationship between an actor, for example, and a character, which is about interpreting the character. And many schools of acting then take that word to mean different things. So there are different ways in which actors are asked to interpret. But anyway, this idea of interpretation for me was very, very interesting. And so catharsis, of course, comes from, you know, like the ancient Greeks and particularly the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle who wrote a whole book, The Poetics, on uh, tragedy and basically said, oh, when you go to the theater, you experience catharsis. And then this word catharsis is also used in therapeutic context, okay? People say, oh yeah, because I had this cathartic experience, you know, I went to my therapist and had this catharsis. And I was, um, I then looked very closely at the debate of what catharsis mean, because uh, as a word that has been debated forever. And to give you a very simple, term, simple terms of this debate. There are some people who have said catharsis is like you're full of rage, for example, for something. And then something allows you to let go of that rage. You sort of purge yourself. You lose it because you are kind of letting go of it. And then there were other people that I was particularly interested in that would say it's not so much that you let go of it, is more that you come to give it a meaning that makes it into something else, transforms it. And so I guess my idea is that both these things can happen at the theater when you are spectating. You know, you can experience very powerful meanings, uh, sorry, uh, feelings or meanings, very powerful feelings that you can somewhat discharge. You know, we can cry at the theater, we can uh, feel angry, we can, you know, also feel very, sorry, feel very happy and so on. But also I felt that what I was really finding was more soothing or more um, pleasurable, but in a more subtle way, you know, was making me feel better afterwards, was more the transformative ability of what was going on. So the idea that, yes, you need to be emotionally aroused, and that is important uh, when you have um, an experience which is taps into your unconscious, and is an artistic experience, usually we are emotionally aroused in some ways, you know. But at the same time, that arousal is not all that there is to it. There is some kind of ability at the unconscious level to change that emotion into something else and into a meaning of some sort. 
there's like and a... the, yeah and so thinking about that as what the interpretation really does is transforming raw emotions into meanings if if that makes any sense sorry no 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 that makes a lot of sense there's like a transformative aspect behind the way in which spectators interpret what is coming at them and that leads to an, an, an innately complex process the again the parallels that you've drawn between being at the theater and the interaction between performers and audiences as kind of placed beside the connections that take place during a therapy session especially during the emotional transactions as you put it and again um that, that that's quite an interesting avenue to explore so um yeah thank you very much for that um so on that note uh post discussing the kind of transformative manner of creative expression and interpretation etc um i would like to say that was quite an intriguing conversation which is sad thank you so much for your time and i'm looking forward to connecting with you in the future i'm glad we connected <laughs> me too thank you uh, you know i it was really useful for me as well to think through some of these ideas in a different way and also you have like um, brought me back to the research i did a few years ago so it's nice to be able to um, use it again <laughs> I'm so I'm thank glad. you very much. I'm glad that was a good experience for you. Thank you. And on that note, we draw another episode of the Expression Impressions podcast to a close. Thank you very much for listening in. Thank you to Dr. Maria Turi for joining me, and I hope to see you all soon with another intriguing conversation. Thank you very much and see you soon.